Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where my guests share with me, with you, with each other, the picture postcards that they've kept, the cards they couldn't bear to part with, or the cards that slipped out of a book as they lifted it from the shelf. And together we learn what it is in the messages, memories and meanings that give them their power. I'm Tom Jackson, and today I'm delighted to say my guests are broadcaster Corey Caulfield and writer and comedian Julian Dutton. Julian and Corey, hello and welcome. Hello. Hello, <laughs> welcome. Uh, Thank you for having us. Absolute pleasure. This is very exciting. Now, Corey Caulfield, um, as you will know, has one of the most recognisable voices in broadcasting. Um, you'll have heard her on Radio 4, and she might well have been keeping the station on track with continuity or informing the nation by reading the news. Well, when Corey is not uh, witnessing history, um, she can be seen cycling around Warwickshire on her bicycle <laughs> or attempting to find messages in bottles on Greek islands. Um, Corey comes to us today with a rather smudged postmark, um, a bit of Tooting, uh, a bit of Stratford-on-Avon, uh, possibly some Austria um, and, and, and something from Greece as well. Yes. Now, Corey, do you still send postcards? I don't send postcards like I used to send postcards, which was when I was on holiday. Um, I send postcards if I've been out with, for a really special evening or I've had people, around for, you know, gone around to somebody's for supper or something. and uh, Or I see something that's very amusing and I just know the person that I'd like to send that to. But they're not how you used to. When I was a child, obviously going on holiday, it was the big thing. Oh, I must send a postcard to my grandparents or my school friends and so I don't really and I think it's a bit maybe I should maybe I should go back to doing it but I used to always when we went to Greece I mean it wasn't that long ago we're probably only going back 15 years um, maximum that we would if I did go on I would always find a postcard when we went to Greece every summer and would send it back to Radio 4 because Peter Donaldson had a bit of a Greek connection I mean he looked very Greek for a starter and he spent time with BFBS on Cyprus and he loved Greece and so I would find photographs that usually looked a little bit like Peter when he'd had a few oozos <laughs> or something and then would send that back so it wasn't that long ago but then in the last sort of 10 years 5 years 6 years I don't know maybe a bit longer I seem to have rather given up on it. Social media, I think, is to blame, actually, I have to I say. So. I think the, the postcard to the office has all but died. I think people, you might still send a postcard to an aunt or, or parents because they're of a generation who perhaps aren't engaged with social media. But the postcard to the office, which was an absolute ritual, mm. I think has gone completely. Mm. I, I, I mean, I'm looking through old cards like I do, I'm, I'm always finding cards to the girls in the typing pool or the boys in the boiler room or I know, and, we and, used and they're to always very larky they're always full of um, 
cheeky jokes that you don't quite understand. And we used to have them pinned up on, with, next to the rotors in the office, and everybody did it. It wasn't just me. I mean, everyone who went on holiday would send her. I mean, Vaughan, my colleague, um, Vaughan Savage, I mean, he was he could come up with some absolutely marvellous postcards, utterly inappropriate, and sort of where he found them. I don't know, he spent most of his holiday trying to find them. Um, but they were all part of it. Where's Vaughan, you know, which postcard is Vaughan going to send this time? I think um, I, I personally have made a sort of conscious effort in the last few years to actually revive my postcard sending really I mean because I was very lucky I had my, my family collected all the postcards that they received going way back to 1880-ish and so I felt having these volumes of postcards that I would carry on sending postcards to people so it was in your blood done, not just the holiday ones but the thank you ones and um, yeah it's just as a kind of a, a sort of a tip of the hat to my um, ancestors really because, uh, I mean, obviously one's elderly relatives still love getting postcards, so that's what I do, you know, with my elderly aunts and so on. Um, but um, also to friends now, I've started to send postcards because it's just as easy as an email. And, and you know, email and texting is um, quite cold. And I think there is a, a sense of revivalism in the air, actually, in this country. Well, uh, Julian, thank you for sharing those thoughts. We, we should introduce you properly. Mm. Um, listeners will be familiar with Julian Dutton, award-winning comedy writer, performer, and like Corey, someone who's made his living in front of the microphone a great deal of the time, many radio credits. He wrote and starred in The Harpoon, Truly Madly Bletchley uh, and The Secret World. And his genius for vocal impressions, which um, we may hear more of later, took him to the big impression on television and other shows. And he contributed creatively and some uh, highly expressive grunts to uh, the visual comedy series Pompidou with Matt Lucas. <laughs> and in recent months, Julian's been touring a theatre show that he's written and performs in uh, about the life of John Le Mesurier, portraying the great actor called Do You Think That's Wise? May I correct you and say it is actually pronounced... <laughs> Do forgive me. It's actually pronounced John Le Mesurier, you see, as, a, as in... Treasurer, the measurer. Awfully sorry to uh, to pick you up on that, uh, Tom, but uh, you know it really is, it really is. Uh, you know I'm a stickler for correctness. You see. It really is awfully nice. <laughs> it really is awfully nice of you to invite me on your wonderful podcast. It really is, and it's wonderful to. I must say, Corrie looks absolutely fetching <laughs> in a wonderful outfit. Though. She really does. Um, I will be me from now on. Sorry, that is sorry you. Very, that very is uncanny. Very, it is. Very you triggered me. You see, you oh, triggered well, me. No, I... Pavlovian. I guess you're living it quite a lot of the time at the moment. I am. I'm becoming slightly obsessed with John LeMessurier. And, uh, yeah, so forgive me if I lapse into him. (laughs) Oh, it'd be a delight. uh, Yes, I'm touring the country from, uh, well, I've started the tour, but uh, the bulk of it will be from January onwards all over the country. Coming to a theatre near you. (laughs) Well, Julian comes to us today bearing a London W1 postmark. Yes, yes, uh, W1. Sorry. Not far far from where we're sitting today. Well, absolutely. I've always considered W1 my spiritual and indeed physical home, really. I was uh, born in uh, central London and I lived for years in Well Street, which was... Um, what uh, ITN was? Yes, the old ITN building, right next door to that, actually. Furnival Mansion. That wine bar that was opposite there. Good heavens. Oh, yes. Do you remember? Do you know, Woolsey. There Woolsey. was a wine bar, yes, yes. And uh, I lived there during the time when Fitzrovia was still full of sort of tailors, little tailors, and you could see them in their windows stitching away. Um, that's, that's still lingering a little bit. But yes, and uh, it's very near to the BBC, of course, where I've done most of my work, um, comedy shows, uh, broadcasting house. And uh, so W1 is, yes, I feel most at home here, really, Fitzrovia. Now, Julian, you're going to 
take us through some very interesting cards uh, shortly. But before you do, yes. you have this, you touched on it earlier, this collection of cards from your family that's been passed down. Just could you tell us about that collection in general? Because I think it's pretty unique. Well, is it? Is it? I mean, we sort of uh, thought it was normal, really. I mean, basically, our grandparents, I mean, I, I'm one of four brothers. Uh, so when our grandparents passed away, they left us these volumes of postcards. We had about four each. It's a shame I didn't get them all because that would be 16. But uh, Four you know, volumes each? Really. Yes, yeah, about four volumes each. Wow. Uh, and they'd been handed down from their grandparents. And they, uh, they basically, my ancestors, collected every single postcard or kept every single postcard that they'd ever been sent. Um, so I have about four volumes. And so it's from about 1880 onwards. And it wasn't just the, the trivia. It wasn't just the... Um, uh, you know, the holiday postcards or the thank you postcards. Uh, they, they did collect sort of limited edition stuff like uh, royal families of Germany and there'd be about 50, po- 50 so they, postcards. They'd gone out and bought these, put yes. them in the album carefully yeah, because so they are, wanted them. So there are a couple of albums which are sort of specialist, a bit like cigarette cards, you know, sort of uh, motor cars of the Edwardian era. <laughs> Um, and that kind of thing. But most of them are personal postcards. And one of my grandfathers was a shopkeeper, and um, he would regularly receive cards from his customers uh, saying, I'll be in for the tobacco later, Mr. Dutton. And, uh, and they and even I, I mean, kept those, those cards that, that they were not cards that were at sentimental value, but they kept them no, anyway. No, he kept them, he, they what kept everything. did he everything. keep them in, a massive box or something? No, they're all in albums, posted, pasted, or they had lovely um, postcard the albums corners, with the corners. You could the, the slotted corners. Slotted corners. On, on charcoal like grey paper. Like photographs. Yes, like mounted, uh, mounted photographs. And it's a wonderful resource for family history. When, I, when yeah. I did my family tree research about 10 years ago, of course, these postcards were a wonderful treasure house, a rich... Uh, Resource because I could match up names with chronology and slot them on the family tree. I mean, it was sometimes difficult because uh, with postcards they don't um, often put their full name. They say, for you know, for example, you know, love from Kitty or or even just single letters like um, kind regards P. So you have to you have to sort of guess who it was and you match. Oh yeah, it's great aunt Polly P, uh, Kitty, great aunt Catherine or whatever. But it's a great so, start. I yes, mean, it's you've got the, you've got the sort of uh, landmarks across the family there. Well, of course, and of course, I've I've and so when you when you research your family tree, of course, you often just come up with bald statistics like birth, marriage, death, and where they lived. But with postcards, you have a rich background of what they did. I've got postcards. Some describing. Uh, I had family in Staffordshire, and there's a wonderful series of postcards where he's. One of my distant cousins is wooing my grandmother when she was about 19. So there's a series of love postcards. Oh, and of course, it couldn't be explicit, but you could just read between the lines. It's like a little love story that never actually bore fruit because she married someone else. So there's lovely little family and, and the disasters. There's a lovely um, set of postcards about um, a disaster in the Staffordshire potteries when I think it's Green's pottery burnt to the ground. It was a major fire which blighted a community for, for, for years because most of the people were employed in the, in the potteries in Staffordshire. So there's a series of postcards from part of my family who were affected by that. And so, yes, it is a wonderful, wonderful storehouse. And I suppose, you know, the, the, the reason it survives is cardboard is quite resilient. It, yes. It, it does, you know, especially if it's kept in an album. And people collected them because they liked the pictures. 
So they held yes, on to them. They, they, they were of some value, some aesthetic value. Yes, and, and they liked the pictures. Uh, yes, you sparked off a memory of because a lot of Christmas cards from the Edwardian period and Victorian period were postcards I yes, found, and also often. birthday cards because we don't really think of birthday cards or Christmas cards as being, yeah. you know, just sort of one-dimensional card, uh, postcards, but they were. I've got some. My father was born in 1925, and I've got um, postcards, uh, you know, birthday cards for him, and when he was about two, from all his relatives. So it's it's lovely, and of course there were uh, actual photographs of uh, one's family done in postcard yes, form. No, that, You're that probably yes, I have got they actually funny get... enough. I have got one, yes. which was my grandparents' wedding in about nineteen twenty two, twenty three, and that is a postcard. Yes. and and they're all there with the they're looking. I mean, hilarious fashions. My grandfather's wearing spats as far as I can see. Like <laughs> something out of Bugsy yes. Malone. Oh, gosh, I mean, yes. you've made me think actually that yes. I, we probably do have lots of these. It never occurred to me to go and sort of. Well, you wouldn't have thrown them away. Rootle through yes. the family attic. I mean, I, I'm particularly hopeless and didn't have many postcards, <laughs> but maybe my maybe my mother and father were better and kept them. We got loads of photographs, but not. I've got some very curious photographs of my father when he was about two or three, posing with a with a stuffed rabbit and. Uh, very sort of bits and they were always naked on a cushion. I've got one of my dad lying on a sort of velvet. No, but he, he's about two months old. Oh yes, of course. Sorry, um, and, 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 and they've sort of colorized it, so his oh, cheeks nice. on every end <laughs> yes. are sort of slightly, you know, rosy, yes, yes. rosy <laughs> cheeks. That's right. Oh, the color tinting was wonderful. Oh, yeah. oh yes, extraordinary. Yes. But maybe they sent those out as postcards. They looked very curious, um, sort of. Obviously, they went to a photographic studio in the in the, the town. And uh, the photographer would set up this sort of curious thing. They were obsessed with taxidermy. I think I think there's a, my father sort of posing by, beside a stuffed leopard in one of them. <laughs> yes. I think that's because the uh, stuffed animals don't move. Yeah, yeah. No, they're like statues. They, a long exposure suits them. And of course, going way back, there's uh, the case of uh, when they photographed children, they had to hold them still, so they used to drape these. Heavy black cloaks <laughs> over the mother who would be sitting in a chair. Have you seen these? Holding uh, and, and so they, you know, attempting to disguise. Oh, you think the, it's a chair, but it's actually mother. It's actually the mother <laughs> or the father. For that. Yes, and they're I mean, holding it. Isn't a, a velvet a cushion? Then I better have another look at this. <laughs> there might be someone inside that animal. <laughs> it's like a living chair. I mean, they looked wow. absolutely ridiculous. Uh, sort of. A... You've done very well to spot that. I've never seen that. I'm going to look yeah. for that next. That was a definite trend, yeah. Well, before we look at the cards that uh, Julian and Corey have brought along, um, I'll give you a couple of mine quickly. Uh, these, are, of course, are uh, postcard from the past cards, like we do on Twitter, um, at Past Postcard. So an old card from which I've selected just a bit of the message. Where do you get them from? Do you just go raiding old boxes in <laughs> old bookshops and things? I have people who people supply me. He robs houses, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah burgles houses where you at confess night. No, I, cat every so often a large box arrives on the doorstep and um, it's got three or 4,000 cards in it. Um, actually, this one, I think, might have been bought on a more individual basis. Um, so this is a card of Butlin's Holiday Camp Skegness. Um, actually, it's a, it's a rather more desirable card than a lot of the ones I use uh, normally because I think people do collect Holiday Camp cards. That's lovely. I love the colour, though. It's is it Kodachrome? Kodachrome, actually, or ectochrome. They used to yeah, they, they just say this is a real colour photograph. Has in it case got you the wonder. stamp on it? When, when was it? When is that? Yeah, this is 1957. 57. 57. 57 uh, 4th of September. Oh, so nice. just getting to the end of the season. And um, it was sent from Skegness to Nottingham. And um, it's not really sort of uh, jokey like I do on Twitter so much, but I just thought the detail was interesting. In this case, I can read the whole message. Dear Roger, we're having a lovely time at the camp. I'm now in the Rock and Calypso ballroom, <laughs> listening to a disc program. Fantastic. 1957, a disc program. That's the hit parade, isn't it? Yeah. 
all the redcoats, brackets, boys and girls, are absolutely smashing. We're already chasing around after half of them. Love, Jill. Fantastic. So, they must have had the time of their lives. Yeah, I think chasing Jill, Jill had a good time. And it's just fantastic. It's the North Bathing Pool, Batlin's Holiday Camp Skegness, Skeggy. Mm, and yeah. it, fabulous swimming costumes going oh, on here. Yes, I yes. mean, the full Monty. And... Um, they look, the hat. Yes, yes. They look so functional. And then so all the chairs around it. What I love about those, the buildings always looked so functional. There was an air of brutalism about them. But, yeah, but they loved it. But they loved it. They loved it. And I think there was so much going on. You know, it, these, it was the redcoats that everyone was just, there was, they were animating the fun all yes. the time. You weren't bothered about the decor. You were having fun. The hit parade, the swimming, the, the redcoats. And the knobbly knees. And I think, all of yes, I think the holiday camps, uh, the boom in the 50s, it took over from... Uh, because in the 30s, the working classes would um, all flood to the resorts like Llandudno, from, you know, from the industrial north, uh, Llandudno and Blackpool. Yeah. And it would be a boarding house holiday then, wouldn't it? Boarding yeah. houses. Um, and no freedom. Landladies', landladies rules being at 10 p.m. So, so holiday camps must have had an air of freedom about them. One favourite postcard of mine is um, the Gaiety Lounge in the Butlins in, uh, I think it's Barry Island. Oh, and you, there's a picture of a of, of the the gaiety lounge, and you couldn't sort of depict any less gaiety <laughs> had you uh, sort of photographed a Samuel Beckett play. I mean, it was just you know two two old people sitting on a garish sofa, being served a mug of Ovaltine or something by by a waiter. The Gaiety Lounge, come to Butlins. Well, perhaps no, it was hard to capture the true yes, spirit yes. in a photograph. <laughs> One more quickly of these. This is um, this is a multi-view, uh, four images on one card from uh, Painton uh, in Devon. Greetings from Painton, 1954. Oh, um, and this was sent to Middlesbrough. Um, rather foolishly, actually, um, Joyce, who sent this, um, put the address so so close to the top of the card, there wasn't room <laughs> for the stamps. And then, anyway, she's obviously not... It's been a year since she sent any cards, I imagine. She's forgot, sure. forgotten how. Great handwriting. So neat, though, and tidy. Uh, yeah, it is nice. And she sent it to her mother-in-law. Um, and it says, this is, this is to Nellie, uh, her mother-in-law. And she says, um, she's describing uh, Paynton. There is the clock that was in Battersea Park for the coronation. Ah. So that must have moved to Paynton as a, ah. as a thing. Well, I remember that when I was um, a kid, yeah. We had a walk to Goodrington yesterday, which is a children's paradise. Trixie licked my mother and I all over. <laughs> I well, that was Trixie all. for you. <laughs> Dear old Trixie. I'm assuming Trixie's a dog. <laughs> yes, uh, let's assume. Uh, I think it was probably her grandmother. Um, Painton, sunny Painton, I love it. Well, I remember the Battersea uh, clock because um, I was born on a houseboat in Cheney Walk, oh. Chelsea. And um, near the park, yes, and so I spent almost every day in, in the, the Battersea Fun Fair. And I thought growing up there, I thought that uh, life was just a fun fair because my mother <laughs> mum used to take me to Battersea, and of course, the, the clock was there, and I was obsessed with this clock. What was the clock like? <laughs> I'm slightly younger than 1950. What, what was it? was like a, a gigantic grandfather clock, as I remember. Ah. And there was it was a bit like the Swiss clock outside the Swiss centre right. that used to be. Well, so it'd be a fun there, thing to take to the seaside and make a little mini attraction. Well, with the marionettes to be honest, it's been many years since I saw it, but uh, it must have gone back to the park if this is 1954 and it's. In painting. I wonder if it was it just there for back. the summer. Must have been. As a summer attraction. It's got a UK tour, yes. 
Not unlike yourself. The famous the clock tour of 54. With the stamps as well. Look, the green and the orange. One and a half D. Gosh, yes. One and a half D and one, so and half a D. So the whole thing was two D. Well, to let you know at home, images of all the cards we discussed today are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, and you can investigate for yourself and see that we're not making it up. Now. We get to the, the meat in the sandwich. Corey and Julian, you've been kind enough to bring some cards uh, of your own with us, uh, with you today. Um, Corey, tell us about the first card you've brought. Well, the first card um, I've, I've brought with me is, uh, uh, it actually wasn't, it wasn't sent through the post. I think this was given to me on the 14th of May in 2002 because I went for dinner actually at the Chelsea Arts Club with my um, sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Uh, my other half's brother and his wife, because they were celebrating 25 years, their silver wedding anniversary. And the card that was sort of propping up, I remember, um, and I think we actually had a five-pound silver coin as well because oh, nice. it was silver. And this was propping up. And what they've done is, is uh, to put it into its context, it's a, it's a Tyrolean scene. So there's a sort of snow-capped mountain in the background. And then there is a lady in a dirndl and um, one of those sort of, you know, um, rather sort of low uh, necklines and sort of laced in and, well, you know, the sort mm. of thing. But she should be carrying two steins of, of, <laughs> yes, of frothing yes. ale. I love her three-dimensional um, dress. And, uh, and exactly, it's all standing out. So that's very pretty with a pe- petticoat and a little little apron on, uh, on that's the That's the kind you, know, you often see in a Spanish Yes, Senorita that's right. card, and this just it? happens to be um, an Austrian one. And then the man standing next to her is in the classic Lederhosen. And, uh, but what my sister-in-law did is she took a photograph of herself and Simon. So this is Seji and Simon, and she's cut their faces out and stuck them on top of the characters. Ah, Customised. Custom. Because Perfect. we spent, I have to put it into context, they met in this tiny little Austrian village called Outback, uh, which is a place we go to every winter now. It's got great family connections. My uh, another of my sister-in-laws lives there, and so 25 years later on, this was the little card that we were all given. And, Perfect. And very, very sadly, uh, three years after this event in 2005, uh, my brother-in-law Simon, who was one of life's absolute joys, uh, died of prostate cancer. Far, oh, far too young. He was only 52. And so this card has. Everything about it that mm. it would bring it makes me cry. It makes me smile. Oh. I I love it. I'm I'm very glad I've kept hold of it. And I, one of the reasons we do go back every winter to this place and spend a lot of time there is is he's there very much with us. Um, for my other half in particular, because they were very close as brothers. And and it's just it's just one of those things that I will never ever throw away. It's it's got lots of pinholes in it because it was pinned up on the kitchen notice board for many years and it's obviously mm. been taken down when we just moved. Um, but it's uh, it, it it's silly, but it's it's lovely, and uh, and it's mm, it's lovely, of a time yeah, and and of people I love. So mm. that's that's why I've kept that one. Isn't it strange how all those conflicting emotions are sitting in a in, in a piece <laughs> in of one tiny little piece of cardboard <laughs> with a little bit of material on the front. Yes. Uh, and they do look. I mean, the, the great thing as well is they're well, uh, is they're well matched. They're extremely well matched. I mean, <laughs> Seji, who is very artistic, I'm sure did this, and so was Simon. Actually, he was in, in his own right a brilliant artist. But she's cut the heads out from a photograph of them so well and got them looking in the opposite directions, which is how the original. I haven't even lifted to see what's underneath. Um, that it could be them. So it's mm. um, <laughs> it's great. Um, That's very good, and it's, it's and totally personal. Very personal. The, the story. 
you understand the story, but if someone picked that up, they wouldn't they wouldn't know any of the no. resonances. And, and, yes. and on the back, she <clears throat> said she has written a souvenir of a vintage year, 14th of May 2002, 50 years, mit with Simon. So ah, we've got mit. the little um, thing. So there we are. Well, thank you for sharing that, Corey. My pleasure. Lovely. We're staying with family, I think, but perhaps going a bit further back. Julian, yes. what's the first card you've got for us from yes. your well, family archive? I touched on this family collection that I sort of have going back to about 1880. And, of course, I was spoiled for choice. I mean, there were hundreds of cards, that mostly trivia, really. So I've <laughs> the first card I brought in is a holiday card. It's quite as much postmarked. 16th of August, 1923. And the picture on the front is of uh, the um, paper mills at High Wycombe. Oh, so it's not even a, a particularly romantic view. It's not the, no, it's not, it's it's not the ornamental gardens. Black, or... No, well, I, I don't think there are any ornamental gardens. <laughs> no disrespect to High Wycombe, because I actually lived near there for many year, uh, years, actually, for some years. And you'll doubtless uh, be performing there soon. So. <laughs> I will indeed, yes. And it's a lovely town, lovely theatre, beautiful people. Um, but I, I shall read it out quickly. Um, hi, Wickham. Um, uh, dear Winnie, we are having a lovely time and splendid weather in High Wickham. Uh, motored up to town yesterday and went to the Hippodrome. Well, Love, that sounds a good life. Um, Ernest. Uh, they actually say hippo. Oh. A hippo for Hippodrome. Yes. So they spent a, a week or two weeks in, in High Wickham. The reason I brought it in is that it's... The first thing is, was High Wycombe a regular holiday destination for many people in those days? <laughs> because usually you think of Blackpool, Great Yarmouth, Margate, Brighton, uh, right from Victorian times, Brighton. Um, but High Wycombe, not so much. And I was thinking, well, actually, sometimes, occasionally, I go away to um, places that are slightly unusual and not considered holiday destinations. And uh, I think it's quite a good idea. Where you know, does Ernest breaks. live the rest of the time? Was Sorry? he in London, Ernest? Who wrote this uh, no, they lived in Bedfordshire. In Bedfordshire. So it's oh, from... So it's not like uh, came up. I no. you came up from London because you think, well, it's the beginning of the Chiltern Hills. Yes. So walking well, yes, it's hills. lovely. I mean, High Wycombe is set in a beautiful... It's like a diamond set in a beautiful sort of range of Chiltern Hills. So there are the... <laughs> the uh, of course, you've got the Dunstable Downs in sort of North Buckinghamshire, and then you go down. So they lived in Bedfordshire, and but they chose to spend a little holiday in High Wycombe. And I think it's a lovely thing, really. And it's to Mrs. Dutton, 92 Foster Hill Road, Bedford, which was my grand grandfather's shop, um, which is still there, actually. I, I photographed my father outside that very shop. Well, that was very interesting. Very, thank, you, thank you for your um, unusual city break, Gillian. Uh, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you. Curry, you, 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 and I think actually Julian's going to be cheating as well later, so you can start, start the cheating early. You're, you're going to sneak two cards instead of one here, I think. Well, T- tell us about these well, two cards, a bit sort one of, at I a mean, time. M- mine are... Um, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't got that many cards, which is which, which is awful. I haven't kept them over the years because I know I have received many more than I could find when you when I'm asked to take part in this marvelous event. Um, but uh, I moved house recently, and uh, and I was sorting through the books and putting them into boxes. And of course, you shake them, and lots of interesting <laughs> things fall out. And this postcard, one of these postcards I have in front of me now, fell out which I have not looked at for 30 years. And I know it's 30 years because the date on it is the 20th of April, 88. And and I'm just going to read out to who it's to, first of all. It says to Corinne. So that's, that's I'm thinking, well, who the hell is she? You know, that's a... <laughs> and then it says, brackets, the World Service newsreader, who is such good company on jumbo jets, care of BBC Broadcasting World Service, mm-hmm. Bush House, London, England. And Were you at Bush House? I was, yes. Okay. And in 88, I um, had gone, actually in March of 88, uh, just before end of February, I had gone out to visit a very old friend who lived in Hong Kong. And I went for six weeks, uh, which was quite a big thing. And I think I took unpaid leave and disappeared off. And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever flown long haul and it was all very exciting. And and on the way back, I, I remember vividly now when I saw this and read it when it fell out of the, the book, which must have been the book I was reading at the time or something. Anyway, um, it's from a chap called Tim, and he was a cameraman. I remember that much. And he was working, he'd been working on a film out there, and he was sitting next to me on the Cathay Pacific flight back to, to England on whatever, whenever it was, at the end of March or April. And we had got on extremely well. Not Nothing remotely romantic. We didn't join the mind. No, one, no one's suggesting that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I could be a bit... <laughs> A bit wild. It's a long time ago. You can make up whatever ago. story you like. But no, nothing like that. But I do remember. He has put several kisses at the bottom. No, no, no. He's making that up. <laughs> he He's put regards. But anyway, um, and I do remember now. I can't actually remember what on earth he looked like, but I do remember he was tremendously good fun. And in those days, um, I drank rather a lot, and I probably and I smoked, and no doubt we sat there and probably drank and smoked our entire way back and fourteen-hour flight to to, to London. A whole new side of and you that's I coming do out remember. Here. The film we watched, though, I can remember that because whenever it comes on television, I do, it, I'm suddenly Blush. transported back again, which was um, rather suitably. It was um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles with oh, Steve yes, Martin yes, yes. and mm. John Candy. And That's I can right. remember we were absolutely wetting ourselves, <laughs> probably because we'd had a few sherbets. But anyway, let me just read it out. He is now, this is a postcard from Sunny Madrid. It says Sunny Madrid. And so he's obviously been off on another cameraman filming jaunt or whatever. And it says, wonderful city, usual thing, only two days and off again. Hope you got back okay and everything is normal after the six-week sojourn. Sorry about the address. Look forward to meeting you on another jumbo. Regards, Tim, Hong Kong to London. 
But I mean, I did love mm. the fact that a it it um it got to Bush House. God mm. bless them. And also that somewhere it ended up in the our, we used to have lockers or um, little pigeonholes up in in the um, good old seventh floor. I think it was in those days of Bush House. And there it was. And and, and you I, were findable. And you I was know, findable. A public character. I, I they, was, they knew where the BBC I, was. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was and uh, and and it was just great. And I looked and when this I saw it again after. You know, probably 25, 30 years. Well, it's 30 years, isn't it? 88. When we were packing up the house and it fell out of this book, I mm. remembered it vividly and I thought, <laughs> well, how great to have sent a postcard yes. afterwards. I mean, you yes. sort of thing that you get to the airport and you say, well, thank you very much for your great company mm. on the flight. I, lo- I, I love those stories of I love those stories of postcards or letters getting to the person when, uh, th- I mean, often the, in, in the past, the, the postal service would just have a single name or even, I don't know, the Englishman that lives in the village and when it's sending it to Wales or whatever, some remote part of Britain and and it would get there, you know. Well, it didn't have Bush House, I suppose it it did have. But there's no no surname. Anyway, I I did get it. Um, And it's not even the correct first name. No, it's not. It's not. So obviously, I must have introduced myself on the flight, Corrie, and people yes. do think. I mean, I often get called Connie, and yes. I kind of. I mean, you might have slurred Connie. a bit as well. well I don't think I'd had. I don't think I'd had a drink at that point, but I maybe the, by the time mm, I left. I love the little description of your voice. I know, but it's brackets, it? put, sort of defining you by your voice, the wonderful voice. And he's just put the the World Service newsreader, who is such good company on Jets. I mean, that is a lovely thing to write, isn't it? Yeah, maybe thought that was your actual name. I know. Anyway, so there it is. I mean, I have to say, I have to say, it's not the most inspiring. Inspired photograph on the front mm. in the, on the thing. It's a sort of roundabout with lots of little cars going around some massive. Actually, it does say what it is here: the Puerta de Alcalá. My Spanish is awful. Something door. Anyway, there we go. From so Madrid. You just uh, one and more question. On, one, one more question on this one. But let's, yeah. we have to hold on to this. Oh. Where is he now? This I've chap? no idea. Tim, you, if you're listening to this, gosh. do you remember getting a flight back from Hong Kong in, in end of March or beginning of April in 1988? Well, um, Corey, we have to say he's here now, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Another drunken night lies ahead of you. But also, Tim, no, don't don't worry, Tim. There was sufficient postage on the card. You don't owe no, anything. No, don't worry. You don't owe me anything. Um, but no, I'd love to know, actually. I mean, one of the a chance meeting, you see. There you go. We met once in our life and he sent me a postcard. How lovely. He's probably lovely. sitting in his house in Hampstead with a row of Oscars I, behind he him. Probably, he probably sits there at home and goes, God, when I come on 6 o'clock news, he goes, oh, there's that woman. You know, she was absolutely trolled on a flight back oh, from Hong Kong. I'm never going to Hong Kong again. <laughs> um, and do you want me to do yes, very yes, quickly we, the you, second postcard, which I did find? And this was actually in a pile of stuff which came. I lived in South Africa for a while um, at the beginning of the 90s, from 91 until 95, uh, which covered an extraordinary time in the country's history. It was when we went from uh, sort of apartheid rule um, to, you know, Nelson Mandela becoming president. What and, a time um, to be there. So it was an extraordinary time. And I was very lucky, very privileged to be a sort of literally a witness to history. But at some point during my um, time there, and I think it must have been, I think it's 90. Three. I'm pretty sure it was 93. Radio 4 used to have a, a, a series called Sentimental Journey, which is where they would take... Uh, it was presented by Arthur Smith, and he would meet up with somebody famous uh, and take them back to somewhere that had played an enormous part in their life. So uh, this particular programme, he was teamed up with Barry Norman, and Barry Norman had started his journalistic life 
of all places, in Johannesburg, in oh, South Africa. Interesting. And he worked for the Johannesburg Star. And I think he wasn't even necessarily just a film critic. I think he did every, you know, a sort of general reporter and what have you. And so they came back out and they went round to all the places he remembered from 50 years previously and how they'd changed. And from it becomes, it's a bit like this, actually. Oh, I mean, nice, the premise nice of idea. It, the premise of it is being, now, you know, the country has changed and what do you remember and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they came out and uh, it was produced by someone I knew very well from when my time at Radio 4. And they got hold of me and said, Corey, would you help set up some interviews and be a bit of a fixer on the programme? And also I ended up being their sort of driver and because I lived in Johannesburg, I knew it. And I have to say, we had, I mean, again, I've never laughed so much. I mean, mm. Arthur is hilarious. Mm. He is a very funny man anyway. Um, he's also, I mean, he's an absolute poppet. And we just laughed and laughed and laughed. Barry Norman also laughed and laughed and laughed. And that's all I remember about it. And I had this awful old car and it rained and it would, <laughs> all the water would come through the city. I mean, there was no money thrown at this programme whatsoever. <laughs> and we'd go to Sweater and every time the sun came out, Arthur would whip his top off to try and get a tan. And in the end, they all came for dinner one night and I've got photographs of Arthur whipping everything off and swimming in the swimming pool. Anyway, it was to cut a long story short, it was it was <laughs> it was the best one of the best jobs I've ever had. We, it was real fun. It sounds like they were lucky to have you as well actually. Well, I think I knew a lot and of course I you know, I was married to a foreign correspondent, so mm. we had access to quite a lot of things that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise and the BBC behind you in that respect, I suppose. And so anyway, they made a program out of it and then um, there was a big joke as well. We went to one of the markets, one where or they have all the mooty, the sort of witchcraft type medicines oh, okay. and what have you, uh, in Soweto. And uh, Arthur, of course, was utterly fascinated by anything that was going to in help, in, as he put it, enhance his manhood. I see. <laughs> and it all became very ridiculous jokes about you could buy this <laughs> potion called High Rise. I won't go into the details <laughs> yeah, here. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, we get... Arthur gets back to England and he sends a letter, a, th a, a postcard of thanks, which is the address it's sent to. We, we lived at Cadoza Street in Johannesburg. And uh, it says, Dear Corrie, I composed a letter of thanks to you, but on reflection, I'm not sure if I wrote it down and sent it. If I did, here's another. And if I didn't, here's one. I've been all over the place uh, since being with you. Last week, warbling Neapolitan love songs with Dennis Healy in Capri and today, snowy London on Valentine's Day. Um, as yet, I haven't cracked open the... Now, it's a rude word here because I sent him a bottle of this stuff from the market called High Rise, which was meant <laughs> to help. And he's no, being Does he Arthur, refer to it as something else? Yes, he does. I mean, being Arthur, he calls it knob cream, but we'll <laughs> just ignore that. You know. I mean, goodness only knows what the postman in Johannesburg... Because I'm sure they read them, That could be his actual name on a bottle, I've been really. enjoying yeah, too yeah. much the... Uh, I can't read that, actually. Too much the something antifreeze cream I bought in New York. Anyway, thanks for everything. And this is lovely. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not getting... It's embarrassing to say this, but anyway, he does say you have a PhD in charm, which is a terrible oh, thing to say, isn't it? Yes, See yes. you in tooting. Love, yes. Arthur, because, of course, well, Arthur is a near neighbour living... He is, in fact, the mayor of Balham, as mayor we all Balham, know. Absolutely. Um, and here... We, and this card comes from Ibiza, from uh, Calabadella. So he and was travelling all the time with that He show was, and I think this must have been another sentimental journey he was doing. Uh, I assume that is why he was warbling Neapolitan love songs with Dennis Healy. I've got in Capri, I think, yes, he must have taken... Because I think Dennis Healy was probably there in the war, maybe. That sounds very likely. Um, anyway, somewhere on, I'm sure, 
uh, the archive, the BBC archive, we should be able to dig all these programmes up. Yes. And, uh, yes. Further reading and for our, yeah, uh, our And if anybody's reading, maybe, uh, listening, who has access to that, maybe we could find it and yes. dig it yes. out. But anyway, it's a, it, again, it's a lovely, lovely postcard. I, I still see Arthur. Um, he's still as mad as a brush and utterly lovely and... Uh, and makes me laugh. And you obviously inspire people to have lots of raucous fun, don't it's you? It's terrible, yes. yeah, but it was Getting all drink-filled. No, I don't drink anymore. I'm just dull as <laughs> yes, you've brought two cards that say how marvellous you are. What's sorry. going on? That was really yes. arrogant, wasn't it? I'm not. I'm not at all. Um, most of the time, people send me postcards saying... I do have one, actually. They want to see you again. No, but a listener sent me, <laughs> sent me one saying, Dear Corey Caulfield, please do shut up. OK. So yeah. there we are. That's, I should, it, um, I should that's the flip side. side. I should uh, produce one now saying, Dear Julian, you are fantastic. What an utterly amazing time we had. You are a god amongst men. No, no, no. Uh, I haven't got yours. Placido de Sadly, I've never received a card saying that. Well, Julian, it is time for your cards. Now you've got you've got two more uh, again. Yes. I think with uh, partly at least with with family connections. Yes, the second card I have is uh, great sentimental value to me. Um, it's uh, a, from um, a, a batch that my grandfather uh, collected from the war, brought back with him from the war. Um, and it's actually blank. It's completely blank because, of course, during the um, the war period, you could um, soldiers serving overseas could could buy postcards, but they weren't allowed, to, obviously, to write and say, you know, oh, I'm having a great time. We're at the fr- in the front line in um, you know the Maginot Line or whatever. Oh, you weren't right. allowed to give away your location. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side was Polish, Stanislav Wojciechowski. and he had an amazing life. He really did. Um, I've pieced together much of his life um, but of course he didn't in his later life uh, he didn't really uh, he was quite taciturn and a very serious man and he didn't really open up about many details about his experiences in the war and of course when you're a child you don't ask those questions that uh, later on when they've passed away you think why didn't I ask him this why didn't I ask him that you don't really become interested in your ancestors or family history until many years later until it's too late so I've had to sort of piece um, information together and I do know from what he told me, he was born in um, uh, Western Poland, the Schrem area, and when uh, Russia or the Soviet Union and Germany invaded from both west and east, he was captured by the Russians and he was sent to Siberia. He told me about his experiences in Siberia. Um, he saw the most dreadful suffering. He said he saw people eating the bark off trees. Uh, that really stuck with me as an image. Mm-hmm. And so he just gave little details of what he did. And, and then he, uh, when, when the Russians changed sides, of course, and joined the Allies, when the Nazi-Soviet pact collapsed, um, he fought with the... Not the Red Army. Uh, General Anders' army, would the, it have Exactly, yes. The two, second Polish Corps. Uh, when the Polish... Everybody who'd been sent to Siberia was, and the gulags were allowed to form a corps. I haven't got any paper evidence of yet that he did fight in the Polish Corps, but it just stands to reason from all the little pieces of jigsaw uh, that they fought mainly in the Italy. And then um, I do know he was in Berlin when it fell with the Allies. And he left me several things like special currency issued to the military, the Allies, uh, for them just to buy produce from shops and it doesn't it, it like sort of vouchers yes yeah, well they were like vouchers it looked like a bank they looked like banknotes but it's a special allied banknotes of the amazing, allied. Amazing. Uh, but of course you know if you're serving overseas you still have to buy things yes off and the local shops. economy might have collapsed anyway. exactly there was no money in germany mm-hmm. yes so essentially getting to the postcard he um he uh, there's a batch of postcards blank 
but still fantastic. The one I brought in is uh, the second Polish corps, and it's the flying arm of the, of the, of the Polish corps with um, Polish pilots sitting and having uh, a drink beneath the uh, planes. And um, it's just very resonant. I, I know he wasn't actually a pilot because I do know from what he told me that he was a captain um, uh, in... Uh, well, I d one thing I do remember, you know the Polish crisis of 1982, Solidarity, yeah, and the Polish uprising? Yes. I do remember, he died only a few years after that, but he, I remember him distinctly telling me, he said, um, I used to command many people in the field, but, and I would go over to Poland now and help them, mm. but I think I'm too old. Oh. I just remember him saying Amazing. that, and that stuck with me him feeling regret that he was too old to command men in the field. Yes. So I do know that he was um, probably a captain or... A and of course, I imagine there's, there's, there's a bit of a... enormous part, didn't they, the Polish yes. in the Second World War? Yes. I mean, especially yes. in the RAF, I mean, oh, yes. a massive contingent yes. there. And he had, his, uh, he had three fingers shot off by the Nazis, and, of course, we children were fascinated by his yes. sort of stumps, you know. I know it sounds terrible, but just show us your hand, grand, grander. But uh, Bobby, he loved it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, yes, yes, he did. But no, he was but a lovely that, man, that and so this is great for our sentimental. Band. And the card would have been printed as a bit of the glamour of flying about the yeah, card, I suppose. Yeah, That's why yeah. they print that, do you think? Absolutely. Uh, they yes. look like they're waiting to be scrambled, don't they? It does. They're, 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 they're smiling. The pilots is he having are smiling. a drink? What's he doing there? He's probably having a sort of a stirrup cup or something. They used to give uh, soldiers alcohol. Um, Vodka. Yes. It's an amazing composition, this. Yeah. I think it's all completely fake. Really? And this guy here is sort of sitting there. I with don't mean that a nasty no, way. No. I think, I think it's a photo just... montage. I think, they, the, I think the foreground characters have been plonked on. And I think the sky is, belongs to somewhere else. I mean, it's authentically what you say it is. But it's I think like it's sort of Sherlock Holmes ripping, up, ripping apart no, my no, contribution no, no, to this no, program. Now you do come to uh, mention it. I mean, just from looking at the age of it, it is all. Oh, it's for real. I, well, I mean, Hebrew, yes. Um, it's not, it's not but modern. I think you could be right. I think they could have. Are you saying they've superimposed this? Pilot? I think so. I think no, he's no, been no, cut I mean, out and rephotographed. He's like anyway. floating, isn't he? But, I mean, it's <laughs> well, I think that's what isn't this that one of the exciting things about old postcards is that they they prompt further uh, investigation. Maybe my grandfather was a complete. Uh, maybe he came from uh, maybe he came from <laughs> High Wycombe, Brixton, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't well, Polish at all. Fingers. He just put on an accent for us. <laughs> I think I think a that you'll, 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 you'll no, need, you'll um, need no, to go to Hendon and you'll need yes. to go yeah, to. Yeah, of course he did. I mean, but it's a wonderful picture. The Sikorsky Institute. It is wonderful. No, he left me all his military equipment as well. He left me his shaving kit, which he used in on the front line, and and he had lots of militaria, which I don't know how he brought to England. He had his helmet. He can't have had much room, no. Yes, yes. I, uh, I think I, I've seen his name on a shipping uh, list, which a uh, shipping list are always good for family history. Where so, did he um, get to in the UK? Where did he... uh, funny enough, Tooting. Uh, <laughs> it's featuring heavily in his programme. He settled in uh, well, sort of Earlsfield, right. which is where they say uh, Dunst Hill Road. Right. And we used to, uh, yes, I remember many a lovely visit to them. And uh, it was, uh, yes, he was a marvellous chap. Uh, died um, sort of in the mid-80s, so... Oh, amazing! So, what a great connection! What a yes. great connection! Uh, and, and prompting further further research. Very good. Did you want me to touch on this last yes, one? No, you, uh, you've yes, you've snuck an extra one in. I mean, Corey did. I've, so why well, not? Well, I'll sneak it very briefly. This is just to sort of bring it, haul it back to the present, really, because <laughs> it doesn't this, look like it. Well, no, yeah. it's, it's a vintage postcard. But the reason I brought it in is that it's sent to me by 
um, a good friend of mine called Andy Riley, who is a comedy scriptwriter and cartoonist. He mainly writes with Kevin Cecil. He's done lots of sitcoms and uh, feature films. Nomeo and Juliet, he wrote. Uh, but he's probably best known for his cartoon books, Bunny Suicides. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. But the reason I brought it in is that he has started writing postcards to all his friends, I think, in the last sort of couple of years. Um, he won't mind me saying this because he's actually written a very good and um, powerful article about it, but he began suffering from repetitive strain injury, I think, about two years ago. And as a result, I think, of his script writing. And he had he went through agonizing therapy, and there's a lovely piece online, I think you can find it, um, of, of uh, his work on, on you know, to cure this. And I think as part of his cure, he started writing postcards to everybody. And uh, about once a month, he sends lovely postcards um, merely, I think, you know, to practice the handwriting. So it's a form of physiotherapy as well as being a very wonderful thing to do. Yeah, and uh, the, one, the one I brought in is, um, it's a, it's an old, uh, it's a vintage postcard. He buys them in job lots. Yes. It's of a um, sort of Hiawatha-like canoe. <laughs> probably <laughs> good. It's probably Canada. But the reason he's... he's the, the reason for it is he's taken up coracle uh, riding. So this is starting um, to get very eccentric. Is, well, is that well, true? He's a lovely guy. Um, I, I, you know, I think he, eccentricity is fantastic. Yes. He, uh, we'll have to get Andy in here, actually. He's been mentioned oh, more than once. Oh, so. good heavens. Yes, yeah. you must do. Yes, so he, he's, um, he's recently coracled down the river... Sto- uh, oh, oh, sorry, what is it? The river... Excuse me, I'm uh, average of uh, cor- entire day going down the river Stort. Okay, I do apologise. I've, I've never heard of that river before, but I think it's in Hertfordshire. But uh, that's um, a fantastic line there. I mean, that just is a great line. I've been out on my coracle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not says, many people. As you do. Say He's that. taken as pleasure in writing that, hasn't he? Yes. <laughs> I should Quite write right. a postcard back saying I've been right, uh, out on my coracle. <laughs> um, no the coracle oracle. Yeah. So this is lovely. And what uh, does he say after the hits? And then. Uh, oh, yes, I've discovered that a coracle averages um, a shade under one mile an hour, so it's three times slower than walking. <laughs> but weirdly, I can't get enough of it. Do you think he goes around, exactly around in circles as well? Well, they are difficult to paddle, I understand. I mean, I, uh, I live in Wales now, and I, I live nearby um, the cottage of the last coracle uh, fisherman in, in, in Carmarthenshire. So, um, and coracles are relatively common in Welsh postcards. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a theme you'll see on Welsh postcards. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. There's Along assessment. with ladies with big pointy hats. Yes, yes. And, and so yes, as a final card. Yes. lacy collars. So as a final card, I think it was, it's an inspiration for us to write more postcards. I, I think it bounces us into the present well. day. Exactly. I'm very, I really like the fact he sent it saying cards <laughs> Well, well he's, he's sending he's, a lot of cards. He's going to bankrupt yeah, himself. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's just absolutely, great. It goes yes. with all the But it does look curious, doesn't it? A modern, a modern sticky card, stamp on an old card. It feels there's something going on. Well, it's a cottage industry for him now. I mean, he's, yes. Good for him. Good for him, keeping keeping it alive. Well, uh, Corey and Julian, thank you so much. I'm delighted you shared these cards uh, with me and, and, and with the listeners. A quick reminder for everyone at home, all the images uh, of the cards we've seen today are going to be on the blog, podcastfromthepast.co.uk, um, including one more from me in the at past postcard style, um, which you may be familiar with. This is a card multi-view again of um, the Lake District. Um, sort of rather abstract images of lakes and skies and, and, and hills. And um, the, the message here is from someone called Liz writing to Harlow in 1960 uh, from Ambleside. And they say, um, We went for a climb. It was not long before I found out that leather soles on the shoes are no good. <laughs> I had to slide down the mountain. 
So poor old Liz. That was, uh... I know the feeling. I've, I, I, I slid down Helvella once. Did you? Yes, yes. My heart goes out to her. Um, well, before before we let uh, Corey uh, and Julian out um, of the House of Postcards, I've actually, unusually, have gifts for you both. This is, this is please, future guests, don't get any ideas. This is this is not normal. Oh, um, there's a card each for you. Oh, Excellent. I've oh. oh, wonderful. <laughs> and a rotary mower. No, That's but lovely. there's a reason. Thank you so much. I have been Speed given. Boat. I have been given Shakespeare's birth. Oh no, it's not. That's new place actually. It says called. Uh, now this is very interesting. The card in terrible says, condition. I'm afraid. Yes, Beautiful. but this says Shakespeare's house, which I'm assuming is. New place. Ah, well, that was his second house. Shakespeare's, that's Shakespeare's birthplace in Henley Street. I don't think it is his birthplace. I think it looks slightly different. Oh, you're right. It does look like New Street. It may just be the Shakespeare guest house. New place, I don't know, but I think think if it was the birthplace. But anyway, it's, well, I'm going to study this. (laughs) I can't read what it says on it. And somebody's written, my dear cousin, they've written it upside down. But there you go. I can't. I think that's how Shakespeare used to write. But that's lovely. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. You're mine, mine is a lovely card, uh, quoting the, the wonderful Sergeant Wilson, of course, John Lemessurier. <laughs> Would you mind awfully falling into three lovely lines? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That really would be awfully nice of you. He, lo- I love the way he uh, issued orders like benign invitations, and that was exactly how he was during the war. He was an ARP warden. Um, in Dolphin Square, yes, until one of his jobs was to try and keep everybody calm during an air raid. And his technique was to gather everyone around and say, would you mind awfully sort of just trying to keep as calm as possible? Thank you so much. (laughs) And I'm sure it worked. I'm sure it worked. Right, we've got one more card before we go, which um, familiar, the listeners familiar with the programme will know about these, but uh, I don't know if either of you have seen one of these before. Good heavens. Ah, is that a disc card? That's a record. A you single. put it on your, on your gramophone. <laughs> 45 RPM. It's a postcard for your gramophone. Oh, exactly you know, I'd right. I'd like to hear this because I've think i got a feeling this might be yodelling or something. Oh, this would be this right is, up your street. This would be right yes. up my Well, Charlie has strasser. been very patiently sitting next door. She's going to come and take it off us and see if she can make the make it, old technology do something it's either new. Bells. It's either going to be Austrian bells or it's going to be someone sort of yodelling. Oh, Quite nice. It's sort of glockenspiel-y. Wo die Donau fließt so blau Can you translate this, Corey? Dort im schönen Tal liegt die Wachau It's a lovely day, I think that was. Yes, well, it's a lovely day in the mountains. The streams are about there. What language are you making this up? I fed my goat a carrot last night. <laughs> And now I'm off for a large Meine Heimat. That must be my home, I think. It's yearning for home in the mountains. Yes, yes. It's got that sort of warbly, hasn't it? Mmm, beautiful, yes, yes. It could be rather sinister, actually. He's missing his goats. I just heard that. I, I miss my goat. We have to find the date of this. Heart. It's lovely tinkling bell. I'm just envisaging Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yes. Well, as the mountain scene continues to spin at 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Corey Caulfield and Julian Dutton. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. Lovely to Absolute be Absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. 
you can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book Postcard from the Past by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.